This is week five, if you haven't caught up yet, of our Genius of Jesus series. I really enjoyed this, and uh, I hope that you share this next week, just all over social media. You'll see videos and invites and to Easter. If, if you're kind of just a not, you know, you don't know how to invite people, you don't know what to say, just, just invite, you know, send that invite to everybody in your friends list. And uh, people tell me all the time, Pastor, do you mean to invite me every week? Yep. Uh, I do. I got to remind you every week. I'm, I really do mean to. So, uh, here's what we've done. If you haven't been here the last several weeks, is we we've said that Jesus is more than just our way out of here. He's our way into life. He, he's he's our way to abundant life on the earth. He's more than our escape. He's our expert. Amen, everybody. Like if I surrender my life to that, then he is an expert in every area of my life, and my life is better because it's surrendered to, submitted to. This genius, this brilliant, this, this beyond recognition, this, this, I'm just beyond anything I could possibly think, Jesus has an answer in my life for every area of my life. And we've looked at some things He's said. We've looked at, at some things He's done. Today I want to sort of in week five, I want to I jump back to a miracle. We've kind of spent the last couple of uh, weeks talking about what He Said, And if you're new to the Bible, I want to give you some history of this particular miracle. Rarely is this true, but this particular miracle we'll look at today is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and it's interesting because you get a different picture, a different take but from the different Gospel writers. They all add a little to the story. They all tell you a little bit more about the uh, miracle. And, and we hear it kind of from their perspective. And I don't want you to think when you go to the New Testament... That everything that Jesus did is recorded. As a matter of fact, John, the Gospel of John, only records nine miracles that Jesus performed. But he, but he also, that same writer, John, uh, said that if all of the miracles Jesus did were recorded, that the world couldn't contain the books. In other words, it, it, was, it was just a lifestyle. It was literally hundreds of thousands over the course of three and a half years of public ministry that Jesus performed miracles. There would be things in the Bible like, and the entire city was saved, or and every every sick person there was healed. And there's just no number to that. It could have been a thousand or ten thousand, and 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 so we just get glimpses of these miracles. Again, just nine in in the entire Gospel of John. We kind of get glimpses, and so I think they're important. The ones that we hear from the Gospel writers. There's some reason that they stick out, and it's super important if all four of them record the same miracle. And that's what happens in this particular. Uh, miracle today. Let me give you some context behind it. Jesus had just fed 5,000 men, the Bible said, plus women and children. Most theologians believe it's somewhere between 12 and 15,000 people because families were large and uh, they had multiple children. I don't know uh, why, but they did, and kids must have been better then than they are now. And so, and so they, had, they had multiple. So it's, it could have been 20,000, but, but conservatively, I'd say. 12 or 15,000 people are following. I just want you to wrap your head around this scene. Jesus is standing on a hillside in front of the Sea of Galilee. Other translations would call it the Lake of Gennesaret. It's, 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 a, it's a giant fresh body of water, the Sea of Galilee, if you've ever been to Israel. And he's standing kind of on, on a hillside with that in the background. And there's 12 or 15 or 20,000 people out this Way You know the story, if you've been around the Bible or around church a while, they are there for quite some time. Jesus preaches longer than 30, 29, 
28 minutes that I have, and they get hungry through the day. And uh, the disciples come to him and say, "There's these people have been here quite some time, and they're hungry. And I love how Jesus, the master of the universe, the one with all of the answers to every question before you ask it, says, well, then go feed them. It's worthy to note that any time you have a question about life, it's entirely possible that Jesus is going to look at you and say, you have the answer. You, you have something that, that you could do. There's a part that you can play. Most people come to Jesus expecting lightning bolt kind of miracles, and Jesus usually says, what's in your hand? What do you have? What talent did I give you? What, 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 what part could you play in this miracle? Are you awake this morning? Say amen. If you're praying today for something miraculous, let me ask you this. Why don't you look around at what you have in your hand? Why don't you look around for who, who's, who's around you? Look around for the people that God put in your life, the resources that you have. The connect, you thought you just got that job because you're so good looking. You, maybe you got that job because there's a resource there that God would have for you. You thought you just met that person so that you could have another friend, but maybe God put them in your life to see how He could bless you through that relationship. And so Jesus says to the disciples, I don't know, go feed them. And, and they said, we can't do that. We don't have any food. What, what are we going to do? And then he, again, the second time he says, well, just go find some. <laughs> I love Jesus. I wish I could pastor like Jesus did. Not y'all, but the next service, when they come to me, I would like to say, I don't know, just go figure it out and just see how that goes for a little while. And so he tells them to go figure it out. And you know the story. I won't belabor the point. They go find a little boy who comes with a lunch. I firmly believe that he was from the deep south. Number one, if you're from the south, your mama always sends you with food. Amen, everybody. And it's probably leftovers. And she sends him with fish and bread. There is no miracle on keto. Come on, somebody. Five loaves of fish, two little proteins. Don't tell me God's in keto. He's not. He's in carbohydrates. That's extra, uh, not even in my notes. And so he gives Jesus the five loaves and two fish. He multiplies it. You know the story. They feed all 12, 15, 20,000 people there that day. They pick up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Jesus will never do something in your life just for this moment. He'll always do something for you to have extra to carry you on another day. He'll never just give you a miracle for today. He'll never just give you provision for today. The answer that you're praying for isn't just the answer for this problem. It's probably something you could pack up and use on another day. Are you still awake? Say amen. So they carried away 12 basketfuls. And then we pick up the story in the book of Matthew. Matthew 14 uh, starts like this. This is the very next word, immediately. So I just caught you up and then this word. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples. They didn't, they didn't just hang around. They didn't have to tear down. They didn't have to. They, none, they just immediately, he says to them, you get in the boat. Again, they're on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and you go before me to the other side of this sea. Not a small body of water, something that they couldn't see the other bank for, but they had crossed many times before. Get in the boat, go to the other side, and I'll, 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 do all, I'll send everybody home here. I'll, 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 I'll oversee load out here. And I love how those people stayed for load out and not, not just the disciples. Anyway... And so when he had, I'm, I'm kind of anointed today, can you tell? 
And when he had sent the multitudes away, Jesus that is, he went up, watch this. It's a lot of scripture today, you're going to have to pay attention. He went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Follow this. Guys, you go get in the boat. I'm going over there to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, it always seems to be the scary stuff of my life comes at nighttime. It's always when it's dark. It's always when I can't see my way. It's always when I've been working all day and I'm tired and I wonder how we're going to get through. Evening came and Jesus was alone in the mountain. But the boat was now, everybody say this phrase, in the middle. Do better than that. Say in the middle. The boat was now in the middle of the sea. It had pushed off from the shore earlier that day. It was now nighttime. Jesus was in the mountain. The boat is not close to a shore. It's in the middle, tossed by waves. And the wind was contrary. A storm had come up, and it came up in the middle of the sea. Now in the fourth watch, next verse, now in the fourth watch of the night, late in the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. You've heard this before if you've been around church a while. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were scared and troubled and said, it's a ghost. I love that that's the first thing people think about. It's a ghost. There's no other plausible, <laughs> like I don't know how this, it's just a ghost. That's, it's got to be a ghost. It's so funny to me how people always have uh, religious reasons for why it is that things are happening to them. It must be a devil. Pastor, I'm under attack from the devil. No, you just married a devil. You're not under attack from one. You just married one. Anyway, it's a ghost. It must be something like that. And they cried out, next verse, for fear. But immediately, there it is again, Jesus spoke to them. Interesting. He uses his voice. I can see him. But it wasn't enough for me to see him. I needed to hear from him. He spoke to them and he said, Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. It's I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, loudmouth, the, the one who always had an answer for something, you know somebody like this, answered to Jesus and said, Lord, if it is you, it walks like you. It sounded a little bit like you, but there's a phrase that I am comfortable with you saying that I need to hear if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus said one word. He said, come, like, come on. Peter had come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Don't you hate it when you feel like God has told you to go one way and he goes the other? Don't you hate it sometimes in your life when you feel like Jesus says, you go that way. You go do that thing. You, you go over there and do what I called you to do. You, you go that direction. You move over there. You start that business. You go to that job. You, you get on that team. You join that group. You go that way. And then you turn around and look and Jesus is walking the other way. And he's standing on the, you're standing on the shore like Forrest Gump on the boat. Come on, everybody. Just waving. You know what I mean? Any, anybody Forrest Gump? Hey! <laughs> Jesus, uh, you're probably aware of this, but I'm going this way. <laughs> and it would be easier if you were coming this way with me. And he never looks back and he never gives an answer. He just sends the multitude away and he goes to a mountain. 
The disciples then get in the boat. They have a mission to accomplish. Listen to me. You're going to have to stretch your mind today to follow along. They got a calling. Go to the other side. Go do, go do what I'm telling you to do. There's a miracle on the other side. I don't have time to preach it to you. But on the other side of the Sea of Galilee was a city called Gennesaret. It is where the demoniac was. It is where Jesus did many miracles. As a matter of fact, the Bible would say after this text that every single person in that land, not city, not town, not village, not suburb, in that entire region of the country got saved in one day. It's a massive move of God and a massive miracle, but it's on the other side of the lake. It's over there, and you've got to get in a boat, and I'm going to go that way. There are times in your life when you know that you know that God's called you to go one way. I know He called us to move here. I know He called us to, to leave everything that we had and, and move here. I, I know this is what we're supposed to do. I know we're supposed to leave the comfort of our new job, and we had two new babies. I know that I know that I know that God told me to do this, but when Brandy and I started this church, there were times in our life when I looked back on the shore and I saw Jesus and I thought, why am I on the boat and he's over there? Why am I out here on this boat and he's over there? Why did he tell me to do this and I can't hear from him anymore? Why did he ask us to move and he's not answering my prayer? Is this just me or anybody else? Why did he say sell everything and go there? And I, we sold everything in the yard sale and we moved. And I, Why did he say take this job and now I'm here and I don't feel him and I can't understand it and I'm not happy and I, it just doesn't make sense? What, why, why did he tell me start this ministry, do this, go there? This is the mission that you have. And then I get in the boat and I'm happy to follow. But I look back and realize he didn't come. He's over there. The disciples get in the boat. And, and the implication is it's smooth sailing until they get to the middle. The King James Version says in the midst of the sea, in the middle of the sea, a storm blows through. A little history about the Sea of Galilee. It's not uncommon for that to happen given the size of the sea, given the mountains that surround the Sea of Galilee. Wind is known to to, to come down the mountaintop and it's really sort of captured in that bowl of the Sea of Galilee and storms and squalls and thunderstorms are frequent there and they're frequent only in the middle. You'll be on the shore and it'll be blue skies. You'll be on the other side and it'll be blue skies but in the middle it's a storm. It's always true in my life that the storms always seem to happen in the middle. They never come on the shore. I wish they would. I wish it was closer to Jesus. I wish, Henry, that if it was going to rain and it was going to thunder and it was going to lightning, it would do it while I was close to Him. So at least I knew I had shelter. Are you following me? I wish it would be hard when I was closer to Him. I wish I would struggle when I was closer to Him. I wish the storm in my marriage would come when I was closer to Him. I wish the storm on my job would come... When I was on the seashore, when it, I could at least duck in a building somewhere, I could feel like I was safe. I could feel like we could have shelter. I could feel like everything was going to be okay. I can ride it out here. But it always seems to happen that storms come in the middle. That storms come after my obedience and before the miracle. That storms come in the middle of my obedience to God. And so here they are in the middle of the sea. Mark says this when he recants the story. 
He says not only are they in the middle of the, the sea, but they had forgotten what Jesus had just done. They had forgotten what Jesus had just done. Write this in your notes. We forget in the storm what Jesus had done on the shore. Often in my life I find myself, it always happens that I'm on this spiritual high. He just fed 20,000, 15,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. It's an amazing miracle that we tell about for centuries afterwards. And I'm on this spiritual high. I left church and I'm feeling pumped up and I can whip a bear with a switch. I can storm hell with a water pistol. I'm ready to go. Anything can happen. God can do anything I feel like. And then I walk into the office. I walk into my home. I walk into that relationship. I go back into our marriage and now there's a storm. And oftentimes I forget in the storm what he did on the shore. I forget, Mark said, they completely forgot the miracle they just had. It wasn't the next day, the next year, five years later. It was evening time of the same day. How quickly it is you forget how God healed you the last time you were sick. How quickly it is I forget the last time God answered a prayer. When I got to the end of the month and we didn't know how we were going to pay the bills and God came through. How quickly it is I forget how God opens a door when I don't see any other way. I don't see how this is going to work out and God comes through. Often in the middle of the storm I can't see. I can't remember. I can't, I can't recall how God did this. There's madness in the middle. If I were to title this message I'd call it the madness of the middle. There's madness. That just, and when I get in the middle of a lesson, things tend to fall apart. When I get in the middle of the vision that I know God has for our family, our life, our church, things fall apart. I get in the middle of this miracle that I know God's performing. I got this deal that's going to come through. It's going to happen. God's made a way. And then all hell breaks loose, right? In the middle of our miracle. I'm in the middle and I'm wrestling against the wind that I can't even put my arms around. Is this anybody else but me? I'm wrestling with something I can't even grapple with. And Brandy says, what's wrong with you? And I can't answer. I don't know. I can't feel. I, I just know that I'm wrestling with winds. The Bible said the winds were contrary. There's some stuff in your life in the middle that only you can see. Only you can feel. It doesn't even make sense to anybody else. Why is there wind coming? I wish this would have happened when I was back on the shore when it was safe. I wish we would have just stayed with Jesus. Why did he send us this way and now he went that way? I get in the middle of a misunderstanding I get in the middle of a relationship misunderstanding I thought you said that we I thought that did and there's misunderstanding and miscommunication and now I get in the middle of this and the storm rises up I get in the middle and I don't have any money and I don't know where it's going to come from and nothing fights in marriage like money fights come on married people nothing gets stressful nothing how are we going to make it What's, what are we going to do I'm, we're at, you're the one that said take this job you're the one that said we could buy this house you're the one Y'all don't talk like that to your spouse. You're, you're, the, you're the one that said to move here. You're the one that said this is the right thing. And we get in the middle and we have no money. We get in the middle and we have two kids and we're not sleeping. And I, listen, I, not, only am I now, uh, not, not, not only am I now facing a storm, I'm now I'm sleepy facing a storm. And not, listen, I'm mad. Come on, somebody. My eyes are crossing. Anybody have any babies that don't sleep like mine? And, and I don't know what's happening and why. God, I prayed for these kids. Make them sleep. Come on, somebody. Make them sleep, God. Make them sleep. I'm anointing them with Benadryl. That's in the Bible. And, and, and God, just give me, give me some relief. What are we going to do? The storm is raging in the middle. 
I, I, I prayed for a new job and I got it, but now it's nothing like what I thought it would be and I'm in the middle. And the madness always comes in the middle. I, I launched out where he told me to go and, and, now, and now I'm all alone and he's over there and, and, and the storm has arisen. I'm, I'm in the middle worried about my children, worried about their protection. I haven't heard from them in weeks. We're in the middle. I'm in the middle worried about how things are going to come together. He told us to go to the other side, but I don't know if we can. And we always forget the, in the storm what he did on the shore. God, I don't even know if you could come through. God, I don't even know if you know where I am right now. God, I don't even know if you understand how bad this is. God, I'm not even sure that you could answer this prayer. God, I've never seen you. And then they forgot. Mark said they did not remember. They forgot the works of the five loaves and two fish. How many times in your life have you forgotten how far God has brought you? How many, how many times in your life have you, have you forgotten to look back? Stand up, Henry. Come on, Morgan. Come on, Henry Morgan. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Henry Morgan, hurry, hurry, hurry. Stand right there, Henry. Morgan, all the way back here. There's some times in your life. Turn that way, face that way, Henry. Face that way. There's some times in your life. Nope, nope, other way. Henry, look back over your shoulder. Just stay right there. Look back over your shoulder. There's some times in your life you don't need to go back, but you need to look back. You need to remember, I'm not where I, I want to be. Man, I wish I was further along. I wish we had a bigger house. I wish we had nicer cars. I wish I made more money. But when you look back over your shoulder and you realize, but I used to be praying for the house that I got now. I used to pray for the car I got now. I used to pray for just a job that I have right now. There's some times in your life you need to just look back and remember how far you've come. Come on, everybody. I just, I've come a whole long way. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm... I'm not where I used to be. Thank you guys. Have a seat. You need just need to look back. And the disciples, they couldn't even see the shore. They couldn't look back and go, yeah, but look, remember what he did over there? Yeah, but man, what, a, what an amazing service we just had there. No, no, no. When you get in the storm, you get blinded by all of that. Let me tell you something. And you don't understand why. Anybody else ever stare into the storm and ask why? What separates, write this in your notes, what separates belief from disbelief is understanding. Now I'm going to mess with some of your theology. Because I think the number one reason why people walk out on faith is understanding. It's not church hurt. Quit saying that. Church hurt so 2017. Nobody's church hurt enough to go to hell. Is that okay? I didn't mean to be that mean, but for real. It's it's not about people don't walk because they don't walk away from God because of all the hypocrites at church because you're you're just one of us you're you're just like us you know what I mean <laughs> people don't walk away from church because they don't because it's too loud it's not too loud people don't walk away from church because it just didn't fill my needs that's not it people people walk away from church most often because of lack of understanding because a storm arises in their life and they don't know why. And they can't answer the question why. And so God must be against me. God must be angry at me. There's no other plausible definition. There's no other plausible reason why or explanation why I'm out here in this boat. And he's over there. And the storm is here. And what separates belief from disbelief is understanding. And the disciples didn't understand the storm. It just doesn't make any sense. And they're fearful and they're wondering and why. And I thought he told us and he was just with us. Look into my eyes. I want to tell you some truth today. God is in control of your life even in the middle. 
God knows the plan that I take even in the middle. I'm going to give you some understanding today. That God knows the path that you take even in the middle. People come to me and say, Pastor, you can't mean that every day of my life was written in His book before one of them came to be. You can't. The Bible can't really mean that. You don't know how hell of a days I've lived. You don't know how awful. The, surely that didn't come from God. Listen, that's, that's a lack of understanding. It's not that God sent it. It's that God knew it. It's that God was still in control during it. It's that God is still beside you even when you can't see Him physically, feel Him. I don't know where He is. Why is it so bad here? Why is the storm so bad? And the disciples lacked understanding that all things work together for my, for my good. Not your happiness, your good. <laughs> Treadmills are for my good, certainly not for my happiness. And the trial of your life is not for your happiness, but it could be for your good. That everything is working together for my good. There's some stuff God's working in me. That God's in control in the middle. That I don't, I don't understand. But they forgot, the Bible said, they didn't understand that Jesus had already proven His power. Proven His stability. Proven His miracle working power. Proving His willingness to stow up. But they're afraid because they're in a storm. And Jesus, the Bible says... Was on a mountain. Morgan, I'm not done with you yet. Stand up. Come here. Hurry, 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 hurry. All the way on top right there. You're the tallest guy here. You get to do it. Jesus, All you got to do is stand there. Jesus is on a mountain and there in the sea. Jesus is on a mountain to pray. You remember reading that? And there on the sea in the storm. The biggest lie of the enemy of your life is that he doesn't know where I am. He doesn't know how to get to where I am. He can't even see me where I am. The one thing I love, oh God, I wish I could preach this to you about Jesus of Nazareth, is that He doesn't have to be beside me to, to find me. He doesn't have to be right where I am to be able to locate me on a moment. Even when I don't understand why. Why did He leave when He left me on the boat? Could it be that He's trying to get a higher vantage point to find you when you get lost in a sea? You ever flown over a thunderstorm, anybody, in a plane? You ever flown over, that, over those clouds and you see lightning all around you? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You look out your window there and it's lightning. It's an amazing thing to see. And you can see thunderstorms on the horizon that people who are on the ground can't see because of perspective. You can see things that they can't see because of your altitude, because you're higher. There's some stuff you can see that they can't see. And Jesus is on a mountaintop. Look into my eyes and realize that you may not be able to see Him, but He can always see you. You may not be able to find Him, but He can always find you. I know where they are. I'm, I'm here on the mountain and He could see the storm rolling in over the sea. And Jesus has a higher vantage point than you. you got to walk out of here knowing this. That His ways are higher than our ways. That His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That His perspective is higher. That I can see the whole lake. I can't just see your storm. I can see how far you've come. I remember where you launched out and I remember how far you've got to go. I can see everything about your life. I can see the moment you prayed that prayer for deliverance. I can see you in the middle of the storm and I can see the other side where I'm Taking you. And his vantage point is always higher than your storm. Shout amen to that. So Jesus is on the mountain, and I'm blinded by the wind and waves. And Jesus sees the whole lake, and he comes walking on the water in the middle of the storm. I'm not going to make you do that. 
He comes walking on top of the thing that's trying to take them under. He comes standing on the thing. He comes on top of what they're almost underneath. Are you following what I'm telling you? He, he, it's, it's more than just the miracle of walking without terra firma under you. It's the symbolism that this thing that you thought was going to destroy you. I got this too. That's no problem for me. This thing that you think is going to take you under. I can. This is no problem. I'm going to walk on this like it's just everything else. Like, like, like there's no situation at all. You've got to see God higher than what you're currently seeing Him. You've got to see Him more powerful than what you're currently seeing Him. That he can walk over what it is that's trying to take me under. The disciples now thought it must be a ghost. This is crazy to me. When Jesus comes rescuing you and people go, ah, that can't be it. Can't be that easy. Can't be that. Surely he's not coming to get you. I've tapped people on the shoulder so many times and said, hey, I think this is a word for you. Nah, I think this is a word for everybody else. <laughs> I think this is your way out. Have you? Pre- nah, I don't want to do that. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't really want to do that. It's probably. And, and they're afraid and they're terrified. You know why? Because when you're afraid, write this down. Everything's scary. Everything's scary. Pastor says this. Come on, bring somebody to church with you. Do the best you can. Come on, put yourself out there. Invite a friend, a family member. Co- I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't even know. I don't even know whether or not I can celebrate this Easter. Surely I can't bring anybody. I don't know how we're going to make it. I, you want me to tithe? We don't know how we're going to pay the light bill. I don't know how we're going to do it. When, when, when you're afraid, everything looks scary. I'm from the deep south, and so I say it this way. When you're a nail, everything looks like a hammer. You ever met anybody that always thinks you're against them? That every word out of your mouth is offensive to them. You know why? Because when you're a nail, everything's a hammer. When you're afraid, everything's scary. When you're hurt, everything's hurtful. When, when, when you don't know how things are going to happen, you know the problem you're I'm not preaching about marriages. Let me tell you some of the problem in your marriage. One of you may be hurt, and you don't even realize it, but you have a hurt filter on your ears. You're afraid, and so everything's scary. And even the answer's on its way, and Peter sees something, and he says, it may be a ghost. It looks like a ghost, and I'm terrified of ghosts. Come on, somebody. Where are you at on that? I'm, I'm scared this is a ghost. And so he says, I can't trust what I see. Come play, Henry. I can't trust what I see. I, I, this looks like the way he walks. I remember him walking that way, but I can't trust what I see. Because you can't trust what you see in the storm. You can't trust your eyes in the storm. That's why the Bible says we don't walk by what I see. We walk by faith and not by Sight and Peter had learned after a few years of walking with Jesus. Oh, I've seen this before. I walked up on a funeral one time and he ruined the whole funeral and somebody got up and walked. Oh, I, I was walking with him one time. I remember and there was a, there was a man who came up to him and said, "My daughter's dead and she and she she's she's been dead." And and he said, "No, she's not dead. She's just asleep." Oh, I've seen this before. I, I can't trust my eyes. I love Peter. He's a loud mouth. He he, he really, there's a lot of times he just pops off. He shouldn't have. But there's sometimes you just got to kind of get that boldness that goes, "Hey, hey, hey." This looks bad. This looks awful. That looks like a ghost. This looks like a storm. But I can, if I can just hear a word from him, then I'll know everything's going to be okay. And I'll do whatever he tells me to do. There's some stuff in your life you can't trust what you see. In this moment of chaos, in this moment where, where you can't trust the wind and the waves are all against you, you don't know how it's going to happen. But it's in that moment that you hear from God. 
And if you don't hear anything else this Easter season or all of these five weeks of genius of Jesus, I want you to hear this. Look into my eyes and hear that God has a word for you. That the storm will not take you under. That it's not meant for your bad. That it's not going to destroy you. That the hell you're walking through isn't the finality of your life. Not one disciple died on that boat. Nobody drowned in that. As a matter of fact, for the rest of their lives, not one disciple died by drowning. That thing you think is going to take you under, God said, no, 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 I got that. That's when provision comes. That's when miracles come. That's when answered prayers come. That's when God walks on the water into your life in these moments of crossing over into something great it's always in the middle don't give up when you're in the middle don't give up if you're just coming to church and you're thinking man I don't even understand what's happening right now but I feel what he's saying I'm in the middle our marriage is in the middle our family's in the middle I don't know how we're going to do it. Don't give up. The madness always manifests itself in the mirror, in the middle. Your marriage always becomes a struggle. Not in the first week. Come on, everybody. If you're fighting on the first week, let's talk. I'm talking about the first year. I'm talking about the first five years. I'm talking about ten years in. This is a marathon. Come on, you're going to be married 40, 50, 60 years. So in year 20, it may be mad in the middle. We didn't start having kids till we were ten years married. It got mad in the middle. Come on, everybody. I haven't raised my kids yet. Don't ask me for advice on teenagers. I don't know. I I got a lot of them for four-year-olds, but I got nothing for teenagers yet. I'm I'm still in the middle of it, and it seems like where are we going to go? That's when. That's when you lose your job. You're struggling to make it. Your focus becomes blurry. Distractions always come in the middle. I've stepped out. I got on the growth track. I joined a team. And now things got worse, not better. Pastor, you lied to me. I thought this was going to be fulfillment and happiness. I feel like I'm fighting more hell than I ever have. I remember the day. Where you at, Jose? Come here, Jose. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Are you in the, are you in the auditorium? He must be in the lobby. He's in the lobby. I remember the day. Is his wife here? Is, are you staying? Tell him I told on him. I remember the day he called me one night. He wouldn't mind me telling you. I remember he called me one night. He was crying. Jose doesn't cry. He sure doesn't cry in front of people. He sure doesn't cry in front of men. He said, I don't know what's going on. I'm doing everything you told me to do. Got baptized. Came up out of the water brand new. Did everything I thought I was supposed to do. Joined the team. Served like crazy. Tithe. Give. And it's gotten worse. Business has dried up. I don't know what's happening. I'm depressed. I don't know where, I don't know where the answers are coming from. I went to his house that night. Asked Brandy. I got, I got dressed that night. Went to his house late night. Sat on his couch with his sweet wife. Baby's already in bed. We cried together. We prayed together. And I, and I told him about the middle. That just because the storm is raging now doesn't mean this is the end. It's probably the middle. Just because the questions are overwhelming now It doesn't mean it's over. It's probably the middle. Just because it's harder now than it was when you left the shore. Jesus had just fed 5,000 on the shore. Anybody can be happy after a miracle like that. But you're in the middle. Don't give up now. Don't quit trying now. Long story short, it's as good as it's ever been. Ask his wife, look at me, Nicole. It's as good as it's ever been. I saw him the other day. He hugged me. Again, tears in his eyes. He said, I can't tell you. It was a turning point of my life. Everything after that night got better. Everything started clearing up. You just can't give up in the middle. You just can't get up in the middle. During the storm, you're going to feel alone. You're going to feel like I can't. 
I'll just try it myself. I'll try to fix this myself. You can't Listen, you can't empty the boat of water with enough buckets. You don't have enough buckets on your own. Storms either blind you or they break you. They either blind you to the goodness of God or they break you to the point of dependence on God. Listen, I got nothing else. I remember that night. Jose saying, man, I don't know what to do. I said, this is all God. You're just going to have to give this whole thing to God. He said, I thought I have. No. I mean everything. I mean this storm. I mean this brokenness. I mean this thing. I don't know how. Yeah, I'm going to give it. And, and you either drowned there or Jesus lifts you up. Write this down in your notes. Put this on your mirror this week. Let this be the mantra that carries you the rest of the year. It had to happen. It had to happen. It had to happen. Look at your wife in the eyes. I'm preaching to a couple right now. Look at your husband in the eyes and tell her it had to happen. It had to happen. It had to happen. We had to have the miscarriage. I had to lose that job. We had to walk through that. It had to happen. I had to have a storm like, God, I feel what I'm preaching right now. It had to happen this way. We had to worry about the doctor's report. We had to wait two weeks before they told us it wasn't cancer. It had to happen. It had to happen that you lost your job when you did. It had to happen that the deal fell through. It had to happen like this. I wouldn't trust God now. I wouldn't be able to walk in the confidence I have that He's a healer if I hadn't have worried about cancer. I wouldn't have been able to walk in the confidence that I have in Jesus as my provider if I didn't know where the money was coming from it had to happen, it had to happen it had to happen, it had to happen I had to walk through it so that I could know that I know that I know that Jesus can walk on what is trying to take me under that Jesus will find me wherever I am that Jesus will come get me when I don't know how to get out am I preaching to anybody here who's in the middle of a storm who you need a word from God that says hey I don't know if I can see him but I can hear him come on if that's you stand up all over the house I can hear him I can hear that that word's for me come on stand up if this word's for you that word's for me I'm, I, I just I need to go I need to know that he's with me that I'm not going to give up I'm not going to give up I'm not going to give up it had to happen like that I had to go through that heartache I had to lose everything we had to foreclose we had to overdraw the bank account I had to worry we had to go through those trials we had to bury her I had to go through it so that I know that I know that if God can take me through that He can take me through anything that if Jesus is a genius in the storm He's a genius everywhere in my life don't, 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 don't be surprised First Peter said dear friends don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to. I'm preaching in just a few weeks after Mother's Day about the testing of the Lord, the proving ground that you'll be on. Don't be surprised when it comes to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't look around and think, I don't understand. Why did this happen? It had to happen. Why did we go through a storm? I had to go through the storm. I've never seen him walk on water before or since. It had to happen so that I could see him differently, so that I knew he was with me, so that I knew he could see me when I couldn't see him. It had to happen. It had to happen. It had to happen. And the genius of Jesus is that He'll walk over absolutely anything to get to you. Anything. He'll walk over divorce. He'll walk over an abortion. He'll walk over molestation. He'll walk over sin. He'll walk over an addiction. He'll walk over a crack addiction. He'll walk over alcoholism. He'll walk over, he'll walk over anything to get to you. He'll walk over years of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. He'll walk over anything. You Listen, you're in a church today that believes wholeheartedly. You've done nothing that He can't walk over to get to you. I'll get to you where you are. I'll come to you in the storm. I'll find you in the middle. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Come on all over the house. I'll find you in the middle.
Lord Jesus, I pray for people in the room today who are in the middle who feel like we've launched out. I did what you told me to do. And the storm is here. And it's risen and I don't know it's bad. The waves are coming. The wind is contrary. I don't understand. But I'm not going to give up. I'm calling out to you. I'm scared of everything. I'm scared to move. I'm scared to say yes. I'm scared to do this. What if it's a ghost? What if I mess up again? Why are you walking that way when I'm going this way? I'm in the middle. If that's you, nobody's looking around. If that's you, if you feel like you're in the middle today and you want to be included in this prayer, come on, hands up all over the house. Say, that's me. I'm in the middle. We're in the middle. Our our, our marriage is in the middle. Hands are up everywhere. Literally dozens and dozens of people. We're in the middle. I'm in the middle of a decision. Am I supposed to go back to school or not? Are we supposed to sell the house or not? We're in the middle with our children. We're in the middle. I don't know what they're going to do. I raised them right. I raised them to love God. I took them to church. I don't know what's happening. I don't even know where they are this morning. We're in the middle of it. I'm in the middle. I'm waiting on the doctor to tell me what's the lump. We're in the middle. We're in the middle. Uh, they're, they're laying off at work. I don't know. It could be me. Probably going to be me. I don't understand it. We're in the middle. I'm in the middle. I can't sleep at night. I can't get up in the morning. Depression literally feels like a weighted blanket over me. I can't get up. I can't move. I can't make a decision. I feel so lost. We're in the middle. Now, Lord Jesus, with hands raised, I pray for people in the middle today. I pray in this very moment there'd be a sweeping into the room. Of confidence that Jesus is coming walking towards where they are. That He's walking these aisles. It looks like a movie theater now, but it feels like a raging storm. That He's walking over chairs, over waves, through wind. He's walking with lightning and thunder passing by. He's walking on top of doctor's reports, children, addiction. He's walking on top of sickness and depression and anxiety and confusion and questions and sin and where and why and how. And he's walking towards them. Every hand lifted. Come on, he's walking towards you. And he takes Peter by the hand. I couldn't read it to you. I didn't have time. But Peter steps out of the boat. He starts to sink. And Jesus takes him by the hand and pulls him back up. Come on, if that's you, put your hands as high as you can get in the air. Tell him, I need you. I need you. Take me by the hand. Pull me out of the water. Take me back to the boat. The moment Jesus got on the boat, the winds and waves ceased. The storm stopped. In Jesus' name, I pray for every hand that's raised that the calming of the storm would come on a Palm Sunday right leading into Easter as we walk into Holy Week full of confidence that Jesus, that same Jesus that walked on the storm was crucified for every sin, every every addiction, every problem, every mistake, every time I said I would and I didn't, every time I said I wouldn't and I did, that same Jesus was crucified, took stripes on His back so I could be healed of diabetes, heart disease, cancer, lymphoma, anxiety, depression. That same Jesus took a crown of thorns on His head that my mind could be made whole, that I could rest again, that I didn't have to deal with anxiety again, that I didn't have to deal with fear anymore. That same Jesus was buried in a tomb and three days later we'll celebrate that that same Jesus rose again and He's here to rescue me from the middle. Rescue me from the middle. Come on, tell him, Jesus, I need it now. I need a rescue. I need a rescue. I need a rescue. Father, I pray for marriages that are drowning for a rescue mission. I pray for hope that's drowning for a rescue mission. Walk on the water in Jesus' name.
Now, if you've never prayed a prayer of surrender, it's up to you. Come on, pray it like this. Dear Jesus, I need you today. Like Peter, I feel lost. I feel tossed. The storm is raging. Rescue me today. I give you my life. I give you my sin, my mistakes, and my past, my future. Rescue me. I surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody shout in Jesus' name. Shout a big amen if you receive the word of God today. Come on, let's give God the best praise, everybody.